Hey, what's going on guys? It's Chris and Becky here with another episode of Hoping Mum and Dad podcast. It's a podcast that documents our IVF journey um, and here we are, episode number 10. We've got a really cool guest on today, Alice Matthews from the Fertility Network UK. Um, we're going to have a really cool conversation with her in just a moment. But before we jump into that, um, we'll just sort of pass you on to Becky and we'll have a bit of an update for us. Okay, so yeah, we have had a little bit of a break last week we did not come on the week before we had we were on a break (laughs) yeah we were just sat home watching friends on the sofa (laughs) um yeah we had a little bit of a week off um i think the week before we had a, a quick update um with just us we felt like shit yeah we didn't feel too good and we also had to do a bit of traveling for mm-hmm. family things and stuff like that. So we, and I did pack stuff to, to get the podcast done and we didn't. So we did, we did a quick update while we were there. Oh yeah, we did. But we just didn't do one this for the other week. week. Yeah, yeah. Just gone. So we had a little break. Um, and for, for me, like, I think, uh, you know, like it's about consistency. So we are going, we're back to normal. Everything's fine. It's not something we're going to be doing all the time. Um, Obviously, every now and again, something might happen. We might have to drop out. But generally speaking, we try and record stuff in advance. So that's uh, an anomaly. Anomaly. <laughs> anomaly. Yeah. So that was a a weird thing, a little mm-hmm. blip. But generally, we're back to weekly episodes. Um, mm-hmm. Medical updates. Yeah. Like we said in our short update last time in episode nine, we have an appointment, a video virtual appointment um with gynecology to talk about um fuzz's dna test um and i have a gynecology appointment <laughs> and unfortunately when we got back we found out we had a letter to postpone it again so it's not until the middle of august so we've still got it's just to wait. for results that they can tell us on the phone as well that's what's so annoying yeah it's frustrating you have to like book half an hour to sit down and yeah girl Mm. what can you do but that such is life and we're used to waiting because we have been waiting for a long 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 time yeah at the beginning of the interview i think you got a bit too excited and you uh, <laughs> muddled your words a, bit, a yeah. tiny tiny bit but i was a bit glue mouth i found it hard not to laugh yeah because it, it's funny because you it, do it quite a lot you go you I get do. quite excited. I think it? my brain works faster than my mouth can. Yeah, which is incredibly fast. Yeah, I am quite famous for saying the wrong thing or saying yeah. stupid things. Oh, and... like um, in the, instead of a driver's seat, you'll say the driver's chair, mm-hmm. which is just weird. That's and quite... instead of like po- like fence posts, you say fence sticks. It's <laughs> <laughs> loads of random ones, you know. It's funny, like it's really creative. Like it, I wouldn't even... I'd have to sit down and think about how to say it differently. You just naturally go, yeah. I'm just going to get jump in the driver's chair and pick up some fence sticks. Everyone who knows me knows I do it all the time. I know the girls, my friends from uni who I lived with, always used to laugh at me. And there was one where I said chili chow mein instead of chili cocconi. Ah. Well, yeah. In our house, chow mein would be spicy. So chili chow mein wouldn't be wrong. But Baby name. <laughs> chili chow mein, the baby. Yeah it's different yeah so cool. right, we hope yeah, you well, enjoy it yeah and um obviously tiny little note if you could if you are appreciating what we're doing you could always give us some tips or hints or so let us know 
uh, what type of guests you'd like us to get on or specific guests, you can just let us know and we'll do our best to get them on. Or if you want to share your story yourself, yeah, get in yeah. touch. Like we, we want to speak to more people and we want to talk about the good times and the bad times as well because, you know, people, it's it's part and parcel. It's like yeah. you know, both sides of it. Because at the moment we're really fortunate in that even though we're waiting, we haven't experienced loss. So that's a positive yeah, so obviously we, we just want to connect with you all and get in, get in yeah. touch. Um, a Raise few little awareness. things that you can do if you appreciate what we're doing, if you could uh, give the Facebook page a like. We're not doing too much with it. We're going to post more on that. Um, find us on Instagram and um, wherever you and YouTube as well. And if you could just like and subscribe and share it with anyone else in the Trying to Conceive community um, and let them know what we're doing, that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy the interview with alice matthews it was really really insightful and we will see you in the next one i'm just going to pass you over to becky now who is gonna <laughs> take over yeah hi alice thanks so much for um coming on and talking to us oh you're very welcome thank you for having me it's um it's amazing to um like have you on and talk to you a little bit but a bit more about what fertility network you take UK oh I can't speak <laughs> we've <laughs> mentioned you before because it wasn't long ago it was during lockdown that I actually kind of found like about the resources that Fertility UK ne <laughs> Fertility Network UK has to offer um and I took part in in an, a zoom meeting uh with a bunch of people um and um a doctor from one of the private clinics at CRGW about egg quality and I was like from there I've just kind of followed you on Facebook and Instagram and everything so yeah I don't know if you just want to tell us a bit more about what you do. Yeah of course so um so yeah the the charity uh, is called Fertility Network UK and we're a national organization um we work across the UK um in all the regions um, but obviously it's really important that there's um, somebody in, in each country because, as you probably know, um, access to an NHS-funded treatment and all the referral pathways and things like that are obviously very different in each, in each place. So we're, we're all over the UK and the, the thing we're really about is providing impartial information that's up to date and accurate um, and also what's very important is the support aspect peer support uh, and both practical and emotional ongoing uh, and help we can give people advice and, and encouragement because we recognize the emotional impact of going through fertility investigations um, tests treatment baby loss mm -hmm. positive negative tests and even, you know, pregnancy after lots of trying can be extremely difficult. The emotional impact is massive. Mm -hmm. So we're here at every stage of the journey, um, whether we, we help those who are kind of considering their future fertility, um, we're, we're, we help those who are trying to conceive, and also those who are um, childless, not by choice. So either treatment was not successful, or maybe somebody didn't want to go down the, the, the kind of the assisted reproductive technique route. Mm -hmm. um, and they are looking at a life that maybe they didn't imagine they'd have. So we're here for everybody affected in any way by a fertility issue. Um, we've got loads of things going on. One of our strongest um, support kind of support services we offer is our support line and that is run by our former facility nurse Diane um, and that's a really busy service people if they've had appointments whether that's kind of with their initial 
you know, they've initially gone to the GP and they're a bit confused or maybe they've, they're on a waiting list or they've seen a consultant, they've had some tests and they just want to run, run it past somebody else, maybe what a doctor or nurse has told them then Diane's a great person because she's a medical person and she you can speak to her as many times as you want just to kind of get it all clear in your head. Mm-hmm. So that's fantastic. And she's really busy, as you can imagine. Yeah. Then we have so many different um, support groups, which is one that you obviously tapped into and one of our online groups. Prior to uh, COVID, we, were, we ran loads of face-to-face meetings all over the UK. Um, these were obviously postponed as soon as as um, it was announced to be a pandemic by WHO um, and we moved things online so um, I'm responsible for Wales I coordinate the service here so everything was moved online and I think that had a great um, positive outcome for so many because so many people couldn't get to meetings after mm-hmm. work you know couldn't face sitting in the traffic um, and they've been accessing the support when they wouldn't have before. So we've seen our numbers really go up and a lot more people kind of joining the network to basically ask us to put them in, in, in touch with others, really. You know, yeah. we really feel it's so important that peer, people get peer support and talk to others who know exactly what they're going through. You know, it's a common thing that we hear, you know, anyone who's going through this, you know, they find it they can find it extremely hard to talk to other people because unless you've been through it yeah it's really difficult to empathize empathize yeah and it's so important that if you are you talk to others who really do understand because then you feel like you're not on your own because you're not on your own it's one in six um in the uk so a lot of people are struggling to conceive or affected in some way by infertility um so yeah that's basically what we do it's all groups information and support yeah it's um amazing job that you do because it's such a huge network Uh, the fact that you cover the whole of the UK and obviously it affects so many people it's incredible work that you do and I think it's really interesting that you say that the numbers went up during the pandemic I think that probably is a two-way thing isn't it that um obviously being online the services were slightly more accessible to people but also I think a lot of people have had more time on their hands to think and kind of feel a bit more because obviously they're working from home and they don't have the usual distractions of their daily life. Um, So people are feeling, well, lots of people, whether they're trying to conceive or not, have felt a bit strange. (laughs) So that's probably affected it too. Absolutely. I think it's been hard for everybody, but I mean, we've we've been having lots of telephone calls and emails of of people and, you know, it's really hard. Like you say, you've got this extra time and also there's been a lot of focus on, you know, homeschooling and people mm-hmm. with children and how stressful it is. And it is stressful. And, and you know, everyone, no one is arguing that, you know, children missing school is terrible for everybody. But it, for those people who can't, who haven't got a child, it's just another reminder, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, working from home, usually when you go into an office space, you're kind of mostly away from children and it's not constantly in your face apart from obviously pregnancy announcements and baby showers and all the usual things but I think at home you know being on zoom calls and things you see children running into to the office space <laughs> yeah. you know and, and and you see photographs and things and they're just little triggers aren't they you know yeah. and some people will be totally fine 
for other people they'll see that stuff and it's just another kick in the teeth mm. um and another reminder of what they desperately want so I can I think it's really hard for people it's been really tough yeah and obviously for so many people treatment has paused or just stopped completely and and it's that unknown of when things are going to start again isn't it oh absolutely I mean talk about feeling out of control yeah you know I think with fertility investigations and treatment you know it's you're waiting for letters you're on waiting lists you're waiting for appointments you're having scans everything is in the hands of the medical team so you already feel like you're not in control you know and it already feels so unfair that you know someone can have sex once yeah and get pregnant and then someone else who's having all this medical help it just it just doesn't happen and mm-hmm. I think being with people's treatment being paused or cancelled um yeah that loss of control has just been well quadrupled yeah. Yeah. it's ridiculous people feel so out of control they feel like their life is on hold and obviously we all get older every single day so that's on people's minds you mm. know worrying they haven't got the time to wait yeah um so yeah huge amounts of, of anxiety I think by stuff like that which yeah. is inevitable it's waiting on top of waiting on top of waiting <laughs> absolutely and it's just another barrier you know um every time somebody finds out from a test that there's another issue or maybe there is they can't find the issue and it's unexplained but every single barrier this is just another one but this is a massive one mm. um that makes you just have to wait and it's it's been tough for people for sure they've mm. had to dig deep I think their resilience it's um going back to what you said about um being on zoom and and having those triggers of seeing people working from home and and children kind of being a bit in your face sometimes um obviously for some people that is triggering and some people wouldn't think it was for them but then it is but I know you're also quite interested in how um infertility and people going through these experiences how their work life and and the workplace can affect them and mm-hmm. and how it can be kind of difficult for some people if their workplace isn't so understanding. Is is there any sort of sign? Is there any sort of uh, basic uh, tips or information we could give people that might feel like they're struggling or you know having issues with you know feeling out of control or anxious or just really really low at this current time? Like, is there any any way we can point them over for some information, perhaps or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can, I think what's really important um, is that anyone who is is going through this, um, whether they're struggling or not, some people will just cope and they'll be fine. Well, and, and at this time, mm. but I think even those people, it's really important that they have the information, they know what's available to them. So the more that people can tell their friends and family about free services that such as what Fertility Network offer, that's obviously a good thing. Um, and, you know, if anyone is struggling, they just need to reach out, you know, to one of the me- one of the team members in the organisation, wherever they live in the UK, we can link them up with other people who, who they can get that support from. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be that someone's just got a basic question, or it might be that someone is struggling in work, um and they are feeling really isolated there they're worried about telling their employer they feel like it's going to affect their career prospects I mean most people if they're thinking about having a baby they don't go in and tell their boss when they're planning to conceive they just don't do that so 
it's really difficult for those who are going through treatment because they don't want to do that either. Mm-hmm. And especially if that workplace environment doesn't make it an easy place to talk about that. Um, and, and things like issues like confidentiality um, and, you know, lack of knowledge with uh, HR teams and managers makes it really difficult for people to talk. And it massively affects people's work. People take unpaid leave. They take holiday for treatment. Mm. Um, they sometimes leave jobs entirely. So, um, and that is negative for them, but also the employer. So, yeah, they, they need, again, they need to get in touch with Facility Network UK. We can go in and work within their workplace and increase that knowledge with the HR teams and managers to make sure that there is a better understanding and a safer environment for people to talk about it. Just to jump in there, um, you said that there was, you know, there, there could potentially be problems with uh, HR uh, managers and things like that in, in organisations. I, I, that's something that I've never even considered or even thought about because I'm self-employed. Um, but so would you say that people do people generally sort of, is it polite to tell their their managers and their uh their bosses that they're thinking of getting IVF treatment or is it the kind of case because I thought it would be the case where when you're finally set and you've got your treatment ready to go then you go in and you say by the way this is happening Mm. um so did you did you can you explain like what you see with other people like do they uh yeah so um basically I think the main the main message we want to put out as an organization is that as soon as you want a baby, you want that baby yesterday. You want to you want to conceive, don't you? Because yeah. you take long enough to decide that's what you want to do, and then you don't you don't ever imagine unless you've got a diagnosis that you've had for a long time. You have no idea that it's not going to work for you because we're told constantly as we're growing up, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant, mm-hmm. and so it, you don't even expect it. Now, I think if someone is trying even if they are just trying naturally and they haven't even approached um, a health professional like their GP, they are still going to be struggling emotionally because Mm. they're going to see their peers around them announcing pregnancies, maybe the second or third pregnancy. And that is going to be emotionally tough for somebody to deal with. So as an organisation, we would say that the workplace should be an environment where if you want to, you can say, listen, I'm really going through this. It's a mental health issue at the end of the day. Yeah. And we need to be able to be be able to talk about that because it has massive impacts on people's mental health. Um, infertility is classed by the World Health Organization as a disease, the mm-hmm. disease of the reproductive system. So, you know, the fact that people can't talk about their disease or their subfertility there's something a little bit wrong with that for yeah. a start. Now, a lot of people would keep it private. They wouldn't want to talk about it at this stage. But yeah, absolutely. As soon as they, um, they're kind of on that referral pathway and they need to go for kind of gynae tests or they need to go and see an andrologist, um, then this should be a safe and secure working environment for them to be able to talk about that. And they shouldn't be taking holiday or unpaid leave to go for these tests. And they certainly shouldn't be taking holiday or unpaid leave to go for to have kind of scans and have egg collections or surgical sperm retrievals or, you know, anything like that. You know, they should be getting proper sick, taking proper sick leave for that. Yeah. Um, And like you would with any other disease or illness or condition. So um, it's really important that people feel secure to talk about that issue. And also. 
also feel secure, you know, when someone's bringing in their new baby to, see, to meet their colleagues, you should be able to politely excuse yourself and say, listen, it, it, I'm going to shoot off for half an hour because I don't need to see this and be around it. And that should be fine. And we should be able to say that sort of thing. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah. just it just grinds you down. Yeah. And how are you supposed to be, be kind of productive and, and amazing at your job if you're feeling constantly on the edge and upset? Yeah. So I think I think there's lots of stages to consider. Um, but the first thing that needs to come is understanding. Um, if you dare to have that conversation with a colleague um, or with a manager, you firstly need to know that it's going to be kept quiet if you want it to be, that there's confidentiality. And you also need to know that they, you're going to be met with understanding and also that you're not going to be penalised, you know, that's just that should be a given yeah am I right Alison thinking that fertility treatment at the moment is considered or classed as um elective surgery still or elective treatment yes yeah it's Um, it's shocking isn't it considering like you said it's a disease you know however you're affected yeah absolutely it's you know and people who are going through it it's treatment for a disease that they have Mm. um yeah it's it is shocking yeah absolutely it is I think the other thing that's going to affect quite a few people having treatment at the moment too is um both um NHS and private clinics are recommending I think in some places to self-isolate due to the pandemic while they're having treatment and obviously that that could be tricky for some people in the workplace too another thing to consider absolutely absolutely um it's really hard. I mean, currently, you're, I mean, you're not protect. No one is protected by law um, for going through fertility investigations and treatment. Um, the only protection that somebody's got is uh, if you're a woman and you are having um, embryos um, put back in from the day of that embryo transfer. Um, you are protected under pregnancy and maternity rights of the Equality Act 2010. So you're protected legally from the day of your transfer until um, if you're positive, if you have a positive pregnancy test, you're obviously, it goes right through your pregnancy and maternity. But if it's a negative pregnancy test and that round of treatment has been unsuccessful, you're still protected for a further two weeks after that failed negative test, basically. So people need to be aware of that, but that isn't enough protection because it's only for a very short time. Yeah. Um, other um, than that, there is there is no legal requirement for an employer to do anything, really. It's good to know that people, well, hopefully people listening will, will find out that if they do get that negative test following treatment, that they are protected for that two weeks. But like you say, it's such a, two weeks is not a lot of time to kind of process what you've been through or, or grieve because essentially you've lost. It's It's baby Absolutely. loss and miscarriage. And I think are the circumstances um, the same around, like you said, people who are trying to conceive who aren't having fertility treatment and are still struggling because it's taking a long time or just because it, it is hard, you know, every month having that hope, the buildup of hope and then the failure if you don't, if you're not successful that month. If, if um, people are conceiving naturally and then they go on to have miscarriage or baby loss, what kind of um, kind of fallbacks do they have at work if, if that happens, sadly? Nothing. That's Nothing. the problem. I think, you know, I speak to so many couples um, who, you know, with a female partner has um, had a miscarriage um, and she's literally just carried on. She's been bleeding in the morning and she's had to go to work and she's felt not able to talk about yeah. it. 
um, and feels like, you know, that she has to just literally put on a face and, and carry on. Um, and, you know, the same for the if there's a male partner in that relationship that you've got to carry on and not and not even feel like they can talk about it. Mm. Um, so, no, there, there is no protection. And what is really important is when we're going in, you know, Fertility Network UK going in and talking to doing some work in the workplace. Mm. It's really important that people are aware that a pregnant a negative pregnancy test after treatment is a loss. And like mm. you just said, that is a loss. And, you know, there is no kind of competition on who can feel sadder for what's worse and how many weeks you've been pregnant or not. A loss is a loss and the grieving process is just as profound Mm. um, and important for anybody. And everybody is different and everyone reacts differently. So I think that's really important as well, is that to get across that message that if you're going through this and you are unsuccessful or you lose a baby at any stage you come crashing down and you just feel well not everybody but one can feel completely ruined and flawed Um, and they've got there's got to be a better understanding about that I think that's where you you're so right in saying the peer support is so important because that's something that unless you've been through it you don't really know kind of you can't empathize yeah and dealing with something so you know psychologically down like hurtful Mm. is something that you know a lot of people are going to need you know counseling or to seek some professional help about and there's nothing wrong with that as well i I hate this sort of attitude that we seem to have in the country or in society in general at the moment where mental health is sometimes seen as a weakness you know Mm. so it's definitely a strong move to reach out to sort of talk to peers like you said you know like if you think about it some of the best uh, programs in the world most of the most you know for all types of psychological stuff um revolve around peer uh peers mm-hmm. it's not just about going to see like a doctor mm-hmm. um it's about you know processing it all with people that have been through the same thing um so i think that's that's really been really insightful today especially the um i'm really interested in the um in the lack of protection for uh couples going through uh treatment and stuff like that like I work for myself so I don't really think about all this kind of stuff but mm. to to think that people would feel so pressured that they have to go into work while they're going through a miscarriage is horrifying to yeah. think that people to even not that it happens but even to think that you know people might feel uncomfortable talking about it is uh is you know not good so maybe maybe we should try and um you know reach out and get some people who might have been through that mm. um so they can maybe sort of share some tips and advice maybe i don't know um you know alice if you know anyone or you you know speak to anyone that uh, is comfortable sharing about their story with that and uh kind of trying to raise some awareness to it we'd love to have them on um yeah. but it's been amazing to get you on we will get you on again if uh, if you're keen to come on again in in a bit yeah, no problem at all. Um, and we will drop lots of links and information to all the places where people can find um, Fertility Network UK and all the good stuff they do. But is there anything you want to sort of specifically or kind of like highlight or send people over to? Is there a Facebook group or... Yeah, I mean, we've got a few bits and bobs. I mean, the main place to go would be um, our website, fertilitynetworkuk.org. Um, and then you can kind of look up your groups. We've got our, our kind of online Facebook groups, which are closed. Something that's kind of we, we want to do a lot of work on is, is with men. You know, we, we noticed that um, 
I would say the majority of, of people who contact the whale service are, are women. And um, they may be single women going through or in same-sex relationships, but the majority of heterosexual couples, I would say the women contact us. And that we all we hear through those people that their male partners are struggling mm-hmm. and they just find it a bit harder to maybe talk to their peers or get support in the workplace. So it's really important that um, men can kind of access that support. Up to 50% of fertility issues are male factor. Mm -hmm. And yet um, the way that men are sometimes a bit sidelined in appointments, they might be kind of a bit overlooked and ignored. Um, It's not a case of just whether your sperm is okay or not. You know, there can be lots going on with sperm. And it's like I say, up to 50% is male factor. And the emotional impact I think is massively and you know overlooked with with Mm. men so we do have a men we've launched men only groups um and meetings so men can get together and actually talk without their female partner there chipping in because women do love to have a good chat don't we so (laughs) I think it's a good place for men to actually just say what they want and actually you know we hear so much complain about their wives (laughs) yes no but men feel like they've got to be the rock they can't be upset or were mm. angry because they've got to be there for her and she's going through all the invasive things so they feel like they can't be sad or angry or upset or jealous or whatever other the emotions that come with this and they've just got to be kind of fine um, and that's not the case and it's not good to bottle things up it's good to talk and protect your mental health so men really need to kind of if they are struggling they have to kind of reach out and, and don't feel bad about talking about it and you know without women there they can say what they want without without risk of upsetting their female partner or if you're brave like me you just say it whenever she's around <laughs> yeah or you just say it okay. got a helmet ready for <laughs> and hope that i don't chip in or interrupt you <laughs> sorry yeah. it's, um, it's, it's, it's weird um it's, it is weird that the the male side of things because i've casually dropped in i i i don't know if it's something that like you meant to sort of announce or if it's something you can drop in, you know, but I have kind of, well, the podcast makes it quite obvious, but I have sort of mentioned to people when they ask, Oh, how you been? What's, what's going on? Blah, you know? And I say, Oh, things are good. Uh, you know, we're getting closer to our IVF day. And then a lot of people will say, you know, they'll be like really surprised that I've mentioned it. And they will be like, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know what the rules are. Do I casually drop it in? Do I make a thing about it or, you know I, I think I think the point is you've got to do what feels what you need to do mm-hmm. um the problem is I think in society is you know we we kind of have you know we always kind of have these expectations of, of of men and you know you know what is it is to be masculine and you shouldn't cry and talk about your feelings and show that you're upset and we put all this pressure you know on on our young men and it's no wonder then that that maybe men find it a bit harder to to say how they feel um so it's just a product of our own society isn't it but I think we've got to encourage people to you know mental health has come along a long way Mm. um people talk about it more and they're more open and I think fertility is just one of those one of those things we need to talk about it more um infertility does seem to be rising um globally you know it's 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 Mm. a big issue um we have to talk about it um and people who are not going through it, through it and, and don't understand maybe, you know, it's, it's the job of, of, of organisations like Fertility Network UK to, to make them aware as well, because quite often our peers, you know, sorry, our friends and family and 
they don't know what to say and they actually don't yeah they say Um, congratulations to me they're like oh congratulations i'm like "Uh, nothing's Uh, happened like (laughs) also why are you congratulating me for having treatment like if someone told you you were having heart surgery they wouldn't say congratulations like no they wouldn't you're right Um, their intention's good though i'm not yeah yeah it is all all good intentions and and that's a hot topic isn't it within the trying to conceive community wow it really is you know and 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 you know, we we are constantly being told by, by people who use our services, you know, oh, the stupid things I've been, that people have said to me, the upsetting things. Well, we need to educate people about what it's really like. You know, there's huge misconceptions out there. You know, we see in the media kind of older celebrities just getting pregnant like that on one round of treatment. And that is missing. It, it, it's misguiding people. They yeah. think they congratulate you because they think it's just going to work that first time. It's like yeah. taking a fake news. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, we've got a long way to go, but things are getting better. People are talking about it more. Um, but yeah, we've got lots and lots of work to do. We kind of, and, and that's why I'd say again, you know, to your listeners, if anyone is struggling, reach out, come to Fertility Network UK. If you're struggling in work and you feel like your workplace could do with a bit of a bit of information and, and um, just a few improvements here and there, then again, get in touch with us. You can put my email up, my email address up, alice at fertilitynetworkuk.org. People, People can get in touch with me and we can sort something out. Amazing. Amazing. Well, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. And we will definitely um, catch up with you in the future. Um, you know, so it's good to have someone that knows lots of stuff. Yeah, Rather than just so two, two of us clueless people just <laughs> talking about how annoying it is waiting. Um, yeah, amazing. So, yeah, thanks again. And we'll catch you soon. Thanks yeah, so much, Alice. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. 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 So we've just had um, a lovely chat with Alice Matthews from Fertility Network UK. Um, I hope you all enjoyed listening to it because I found it really insightful and learned quite a lot, actually. Yeah, there's lots of stuff in there that I didn't really uh, know about because, well, because I'm a self-employed person. Um, But it was interesting, all the stuff about work and HR and how people because I just assume people would be understanding, supportive and think, oh, this is a really shit thing for to be going through. Mm. Um, you know, like losing a family member. Yeah. Because potentially a failed uh, cycle. cycle is that. Yeah. So, but people don't treat it like that. I think people um, don't hold it. I think the common... It's almost like desensitized because there's science involved in it. Yeah. It's almost like, um, you know, people think test you babies and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, well, that didn't work. You just get another kit. And yeah, you... they say, oh, you can just try again. Mm. But it's not always that simple. Imagine saying that, like, they would never say that to someone who's lost a child. If you had a I miscarriage. Think sometimes and sometimes people do. And that's what oh, well, try again. Yeah. It's sometimes people say, well, at least, you know, you can get pregnant. And I think that's really don't. sad. No, <laughs> you exactly. don't know you can carry the bit. Yeah. It's awfully sad. Um, so it was really insightful and also um, explained a lot because I think I've mentioned to you before, there's quite a few people in the community that I know that don't work anymore. And, um, and, and that might be why, because it's kind of stressful. It's a lot to go through and maybe they weren't getting the support that they deserved or needed and from the workplace. Depending on what type of workplace you live in, uh, work living um work in you could you know like um i think like alice mentioned as well like it could be quite insensitive for someone who can't conceive or has been through a few miscarriages to Mm. have baby showers and pregnancy announcements and stuff to be sort of 
be around that, which is tricky because I mean, like everyone, you can't like I, I'm kind of of the belief that like you know, if pe- people are going to get like sensitive and triggered by things and stuff like that, I mm. do. I got like things that set me off with whatever, but you can't police that. So it's a, it's a fine line, I think. It's about being aware. It's about, um, I mean, if in, in these workplaces and stuff like that, if HR know about it, they can potentially foresee any um, issues popping up and stuff. Yeah. Because think- like when we get pregnant, I am going to want, to tell everyone to make a big deal about it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the other notion as it's well. It's about being sensitive, isn't it? And like... Traditionally as well, lots of um, traditionally or in in days yonder, people would not have announced that they were pregnant until 12 weeks because of the... That's the deal now, though. It, I wouldn't... It's, yeah, that's what I mean. It's not I wouldn't... the deal now, but it's not the deal now. There's no right or wrong way to do it, but some people do wait because there is that... There's always that risk that... Um, people might lose and that's what's really sad um but i i think i would tell them as soon as possible maybe not everyone but if you don't tell people then you're not going to have that support um so for me i think if we do get pregnant then i will be telling our close family members and friends because before 12 weeks yeah because Mm. if i do have a miscarriage and i feel like shit i'm not going to be like We'll yeah, Sheila on that yeah. M5 Or it could be ASAP. awfully traumatic. Some pre- some miscarriages aren't, some are silent miscarriages and some are hugely traumatic. You could be mm. in work and then start bleeding and it might not be, that would, yeah. it I might mean, not be light. Like it she, might not be. Like Alice mentioned, there are women that are going to work during having a miscarriage yeah, because or they feel like they can't yeah. do anything. And it might happen whilst you're at work. Like I know as well, coming back to the triggering thing, as a teacher, I'm surrounded by children mm. all the time. Um, so it doesn't necessarily affect me. Like, I think sometimes I do get a bit sad, but um, I don't, I think I'm a bit desensitized to it. Yeah. It's kind of like you've had to. Yeah. But some people might not be able to cope with that. Yeah. And some sometimes you feel fine and some days like or weeks it hits you and you're just like, ugh. Yeah. Um, and obviously we've got a podcast and people probably know about it from school. So yeah. it's all quite we're very open. We're very open about it and I'm, everyone knows. I kind of, I don't like the... I, I, I wouldn't I, I'm not I wouldn't judge anyone for wanting to keep a secret but for me no. personally I feel like I'm keeping a secret and I don't like it yeah it's, it's just a weird it's my hanger because yeah. everyone's got the right to just like not yeah say stuff but I'm so open and honest yeah that like it would bug me if... I think we're fortunate in a way really because technically we're min- millennials aren't we I think you're going to say technically we're mm. mine- malevolent. No. I was like, <laughs> technically <laughs> we're millennials. So we're quite fortunate in that we've grown up um, while lots of these changes are happening where people start to talk more about how they feel and it's more socially accepted. So we are quite open about it because it, it's not a taboo. Mm. I know it still do you is. Talk to, so you, do you talk to your mum about it quite a bit? S dog Sheila. <laughs> I don't talk to her about it all the time, but if if I wanted to, I would. I think. Um, I think I would worry that your mum would worry about saying the wrong thing, like it would stress her out. No, I think um, my mum definitely internalizes a lot of stuff. She'll be listening, so hi, mum. Mm. <laughs> but I am, um, you know, she wouldn't necessarily talk about it. She'd think about it and worry about it. Um, but she would talk to me. I know, um, I think it was last year during um, what Alice was talking about there, the um, infertility or trying to conceive awareness week during November. Um, Mum was listening to a lot of the interviews mm. on the radio and, and Very podcasts. Very helpful like that. 
Yeah, and she she'll was always like text you and like things pop up and. But I remember we were in the living room and she was listening to something and she was just crying silently in the corner and I was like, "Oh, mom, what's wrong?" She was like, "It's just so hard. It's just a lot for you to go through." So mm. you know, we've got that support and it's really lovely. Um, so it is there. Yeah. Mm. Um. So and this is our wrap up, isn't it? Yeah. Because we all, we it's been a bit of a jumble. Like we missed a, um, a week or two due mm-hmm. to unforeseen circumstances travel a few other things so generally like um i'm a big believer in just being consistent so we are gonna Mm. we're back to normal as of now we're doing one a week if we haven't got anything particularly exciting around we'll just be goofing around and uh talking about other things our specialty but i mean yeah for me i'm a massive fan of podcasts and uh, youtube channels and stuff so i think it's um it's important to have a bit of consistency so we are back and we're gonna be back doing an episode weekly back with a vengeance um but for our sort of medical updates and things like that um you know fingers crossed that we get our I don't know we just get something happening because yeah. it keeps getting pushed back like we said in our introduction earlier. yeah we won't have news next week about our um, appointment because it's not until the middle of August but we might have a cool guest we definitely have a cool guest it's one of my good friends oh yeah Sarah yeah cool um, so we'll be recording that this week ready for you next week which is exciting and I can't wait for you to hear amazing so yeah we'll uh, catch you in the next one 